Fiction is full of a whole variety of apocalyptic scenarios, like the dead rising from the grave, a full-blown nuclear exchange, or a takeover by hostile machines. There's one scenario that has what you might call an advantage over these ones, though. The catastrophic collision of an asteroid into the Earth is all the more unsettling because it's actually happened before, and looked at over a sufficiently long timescale, will inevitably happen again. It's perhaps the ultimate disaster that we can imagine, and yet it's also very real. According to the dominant Alvarez hypothesis, the dinosaurs and most of the planet species were wiped out 66 million years ago by the impact of an asteroid estimated to be between 10 and 15 kilometers across. That's roughly the same size as Phobos, one of the moons of Mars. The strike would have had an explosive force equivalent to 100 million megatons of TNT. That's the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, multiplied by a billion. There are many other large craters around the world, each of which is the legacy of a devastating impact in the distant past. These include the Karakul crater in Tajikistan, the Popagai crater in Russia, and the Vredefort crater in South Africa, the world's biggest at over 160 kilometers across. The asteroid impact scenario has inspired many works of fiction, including last year's film Don't Look Up, the dueling 1998 blockbusters Deep Impact and Armageddon, and numerous sci-fi stories and novels. Of these, one of the most notable is the book The Hammer of God, written by Arthur C. Clarke and published in 1993. Taking into account the latest science of the time, the book was the second-to-last novel that Clarke wrote alone, and the last one he wrote alone outside of the Odyssey series. Incorporating elements and styles from his better-known earlier books, The Hammer of God partly inspired Deep Impact, and could be a good entry point for newcomers to Clarke's body of work. By 1993, Clarke was a household name, particularly in the UK. His novels were well-known and widely read, and his collaboration with director Stanley Kubrick on the film 2001 A Space Odyssey was already a milestone in SF. He was also working on a number of TV series, which contributed to a relative slowing in his written work. With The Hammer of God, he applied himself fully to the idea of a potential asteroid strike on the Earth, and the practical business of trying to prevent such a catastrophe. The novel has a lot of features that will be familiar to experienced readers of Clarke. It's briskly paced, with a minimum of excess detail, particularly compared to a lot of today's SF. It engages quite deeply with the recent scientific discoveries of the time, and contains Clarke's imaginative speculation about the future. The book is also suffused with the author's abiding sense of optimism. It may be about an apocalyptic scenario, and its plot is partly driven by acts of incredible selfishness and cruelty, but The Hammer of God is still rooted in the idea that people can and will work together to put aside their differences and build a better future. This approach arguably robs the book of some of its tension and believability, but it makes for a fairly unique take on the material that is distinctly Clark. The book is essentially made up of two halves. The first half details the discovery, by an amateur astronomer, of a fateful asteroid which is later named Kali, after the Hindu deity. However, this is not the main focus. Instead, much of the first half of the book is about its main character, Captain Robert Singh, his background, family and experiences. Clark's other interest at this point is in exploring the future he predicts for the world of 2109. It's a vision which quite closely resembles the futures depicted in his books Earthlight from 1955 and Rendezvous with Rama from 1973, among others. The world is peaceful, tolerant, diverse, and enriched by advances in technology. Many of the old rivalries of the past have fallen away, 
facilitating great leaps in space exploration in a relatively short period of time. Clark speculates about a number of technologies, including what are now called brain-computer interfaces, or BCIs, near-real simulations, medicines that increase human longevity, playback of memory recordings, and new forms of interplanetary communication. At times, Clark's predictions are unintentionally comical, such as his use of the term space faxes and the fact that many people have become bold as a result of their use of BCI equipment. Clark also includes material about social developments, which are often catalyzed by new technology. One seemingly insignificant example is the rise of Chrislam, a syncretic hybrid religion which fuses Christianity and Islam with some small elements of Buddhism. It's in the second half of the book that the main plot kicks into gear. Captain Singh is in command of Goliath, one of Beareth's spacecraft, which are each stationed at one of Jupiter's Lagrange points. When the threat from Kali is established beyond doubt, Singh must lead Goliath's crew in an effort to alter its trajectory in a way that will save the Earth. The plan to do this involves using Atlas, a massive propulsion system stored on Mars's moon Deimos and fueled with hydrogen on the Jovian moon Europa. With this being a Clark novel, events are never as dramatic as those found in, say, Armageddon. However, Singh's crew face challenges from human and natural threats alike. The Hammer of God proves that Clark still had the capacity to use the SF novel to plausibly speculate and to entertain. The story is far less bombastic than most depictions of the same theme, but the novel is better for it. Despite Clark's positive outlook, the Hammer of God still has the power to unnerve. Why? Because its implication is that only a united, peaceful, post-scarcity society would have the means to overcome the threat of extinction. In climate breakdown, our real world faces just such a threat, but we certainly don't have the kind of society predicted by Clark. That should make us feel anything but safe, especially if there is a real-life Carly out there, too. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find more of my writing in text and audio form at my site, andyjohnson.xyz. You can also find me on Twitter at andyjohnsonuk, and you can support me at patreon.com slash andyjohnson. Catch you next time.